following podcast contains three mates talking shit over some beers. As you can imagine, the language can get a wee bit hairy from time to time. So, get involved. Grab a beer and join us for Drunk Therapy, the podcast. I was, uh, I was extremely nervous uh, about doing this introduction um, to the point where I wrote it down. Um because we have an icon of Scottish TV, you know, absolute royalty in the studio. And Thanks, I, I mean, I wasn't nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't nervous for myself because I, I feel like I can control myself. But, um, you know, Shane's an absolute horror when it comes to people. You know, well, I can trust you as well, Danny, but I just Thanks. didn't know how it was going to go down <laughs> because we, we don't know how to mind our P's and Q's and what we say can get quite offensive. But uh, the person that I've got in front of me, the first word... In the text, the first text that she's ever sent me said the word fuck. Oh, no! <laughs> so I thought, this is going to be all right. You know, it's going to be good. You we- don't need to write your P's and Q's. I'm the woman that's been on telly with a vibrator, with, <laughs> I think, about seven different sexual partners as a pensioner. So, yeah, you don't need to worry about me. And there's me only remembering you for the good dinners you cooked. <laughs> <laughs> I can do a good steak pie as well. Uh, of course, we're joined by Jane McCarry, who played Isa on Still Game. Play- are you trying to actually put a knife in my heart? Yeah, you're fucking, you're yesterday's news. Oh, <laughs> An gone. old has been. What's next? Um, <laughs> but no, thank you very much. I mean, from where we started at the start of the year, to have someone of your calibre on the podcast shows that we are amazing <laughs> at talking shite and emails <laughs> to get you over here. I, I think it was the wine that, that swung it. I just thought it was a lovely lady for CBBs. I don't, oh, yeah, still <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, almost a granny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but speaking of the wine that we got, it was um, we tasked you with getting it, Danny, and you you picked a special bottle for two reasons, didn't you? Uh, well, one reason, the second just so happened to be a coincidence in the aftermath of it. Um, yeah, we bought a bottle of uh, New Zealand's finest called the Ned, just for you, Jane. Nice, and lovely uh, color as well, like rose. I've never seen wine that color, the, exactly the color of urine when you're dehydrated. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually it, the ad for the need in New Zealand. It's like, it's the colour of urine. Ironically, that <laughs> is... When you're dehydrated. Yeah, or, or hungover piss. <laughs> that is how all wine tastes to me as well. Well, I, I'm not a big... I really don't know anything about wine. I hate that when they ask you to taste it in a restaurant. I hate when they ask what you want. I always just say, could I have the house, please? <laughs> because I don't know what they are. And they all taste the same to me as well. I don't care. I've got a confession as well, just to get out of the way. Uh, and this, you spoke yeah. about Mark. You and Mark, who played Tam in the show... Uh, got your own production company. We do. Pipe up. And I didn't know that. I genuinely, I didn't know that, that both of you were so intrinsically linked like that because a couple of years ago, um, me and my girlfriend adopted a cat. Well, did you, did you adopt a cat? <laughs> we <laughs> rescued a cat. A cat. We, okay. we, had, we rescued a cat and she had had it in her head that she always wanted to call it Tam, right? And um, We ginger cats, brilliant. It's like my wee best pal. It's a right? bastard. It's an absolute... It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a demon cat. Genuinely, Jamie, we've had conversations before. This cat attacks him at will. It's not a nice cat. And it's a brilliant cat, right? I'll fucking... I'll fight its cause till the day I die. Arsehole and then eye. about maybe two months ago, I was off on a Wednesday. I seen that the SSPCA were at capacity and needed food for cats. Um, so I said to my girlfriend who was off on a Wednesday as well I said can we go and drop some food off show some goodwill and you know thank these guys for giving us this amazing pet and we did that but I had to take a call which lasted half an hour whilst we were there and then at the end of that call I go and see my girlfriend she went yep we're we're getting a kitten 
And I was like, I don't think we are stable enough to get a kitten. You know, we, well, there's a how lot of uncertainty. How did she feel when you said that? That went down well. <laughs> she knows I'm mental in the head anyway. Um, but she kept persisting. Your, stable, your relationship stable enough? Oh, I mean, life, like, you know. Oh, I thought you meant your relationship, like you were going to be pumping somebody else. Yeah, that's <laughs> right, okay, okay, okay. I mean, I'm not that honest. <laughs> All right, okay, 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 I've got you. Um, but... She kind of wore me down. She, listen, you do what you want. I, I often say this, you know, whenever anything happens, I said, you do what you want. Just, I'm not going to change your mind. And she said, she picked one, right? And I was still adamant we're not going to get this cat because you pick one, you can come back and get it and stuff. And then she sat and she was going, ah, what do you think of Betty for the cat's name? What do you think of Danny for the cat's name? Not Danny, but like a, a female oh, name, yeah, Danny. Girls, you know, yeah. So she was, going through, she was going through all these names and then she said, what do you think about Isa? And I went, right, we're getting this fucking cat. We're going to get Tam and Isa and we're going to start building a cast of the game. <laughs> so I've got a cat called Isa. Have you get her? Oh, that's gorgeous. Well, do you know what's funny? We do get that actually. Pets um, and sometimes children. And Mark was in a shop over at Hofus is when it was still there. He actually shopped in Hofus. Can he hide money here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never went there. It's all coming out now. Pretend to be a fucking tight fisted oh! bastard. <laughs> and so he met this woman and uh, she was from Poland and she started crying when she saw him. And she pulled back the bonnet on her baby's head and she said her baby was Isa. And she said that's how she learned to speak English uh, from watching Still Game over and over and over again. And she loved the characters. And when she had a baby, it was a girl she had to call her Isa. So amazing. Mark phoned from the shop and I spoke to the girl on the phone. It was lovely. I think, oh, this poor wee lamb will be growing up. Called <laughs> Isa. But then loads of names like that are popular now. Isa and Betty and Peril. And they're all coming back, James. Yeah. If listen. ever there was a TV show to learn English from, still game. Is that the show to learn English from? I think, I think if you're living in Glasgow to get the yeah, humour, to get the, the rhythms of the speech. That's fair. And I think it probably is. It's probably one of the most Glaswegian shows. Because even when you watch, and you've been in it, Rab's seen it, but there's, there's an essence of, well, for me, it's very Glaswegian, but it's not it's not me talking to my mates Glaswegian. You know what I mean? Oh, it's a completely different kind of show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, but, I think... Sort of for lingo, for picking up general lingo, still game would be easier. Exactly. You know, it's your mates talking in the playground type of chat. It's not just. Not that I still go to school. <laughs> <laughs> you do like to just talk to kids in a playground about still game. Well, yeah. Have like, you met my cat, Tam and Isaac? It's not just pets and kids and stuff. I think now that it's all finished, obviously with the hydro being the kind of final farewell, culturally, the impact is now being seen, and Tam and Isa are the sort of two key names from it in terms of. Everyone now knows a Tam and they have a pal we got, they call uh, him a the Tam. miserable old and Tam. Everyone has a family member now who's an Isa. So, because that's it's my sister and my mother's nickname from what is essentially my stepdad. He calls them Isas because they'll just sit on the phone and talk about people all night long and they'll go a couple of Isas. So, you have you are part of this big cultural shift in Scotland at the moment. Well, I think like, I don't know if I wouldn't say I was personally, but I think the, the way the boys have written the show is clever and it's it really has touched people's hearts and what amazes us is kids can quote from it pensioners can quote from it middle age it, it kind of crosses classes and you know any kind of background you don't need to be from Scotland to enjoy it and I think well 
it, yes, last night it was parents' night for me for the kids. I actually went to give blood during the day because I thought it'd be karma that if I gave blood, I might get a result <laughs> My kids night. might not be shit. That's right. It was really just, bizarre. Just sliding your A positive card in front <laughs> yeah. of the teachers like I did that today. I had my badge on because I thought they might be kinder to me. But um, uh-huh, so uh, my youngest son, he's extremely dyslexic and he's in fourth year. And, you know, it's his whole life at school has been a struggle. And, you know, I do feel quite passionately about that, actually, in a serious note, which is kind of going off the topic a wee bit. The fact that all for every year, practically um, from all through primary, you would on a Friday do a spelling test and a times table test. And, and if you can't do times tables and you can't spell, all you're saying to a child every single week is, you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. You're getting everything wrong. You're never going to succeed. To me, it's mental to do that with somebody who's never going to be able to spell to constantly tell reinforce that. Anyway, so parents like used to always be horrific for me and I used to dread it and be greeting when I came home thinking, oh, my baby, what are we going to do? But anyway, so he's, he's trying his wee best. God be good to him. And, he, and the English teacher said, so he's doing National for English and he's doing he's going on to do National for Media after Christmas. And she said, but what we do is we do still game. That's the topic, which it has become kind of part of schools, part of culture, part of, you know, Scottish life. And uh, she said, maybe I shouldn't do that then since he's in the class. And I said, you can do it if you want, but I'm begging you, don't show the dildo episode. <laughs> <laughs> anything, anything, but yeah. not that one. <laughs> it's the kind of thing that gets you a nickname, eh, that you don't want, eh? Like, no. is it? Yeah, it's old dildo mum boy <laughs> over there. <laughs> like, imagine that going through the rest of your school life if, you know, your mum was seen with the dildo. Oh, oh no. I, I don't you want, can't have that. I don't want to divulge too much details here. Um, and I will but Jane as Isa would be the best um, advertiser for the Dill Don't You Forget About Me. Very true. Ah, <laughs> yeah. So for anyone that's yeah. listening, uh, jump back a few episodes and listen to what that is. Nah, we've, got to, we've got to explain it a nah, wee bit. Nah, sorry mate, we won't. <laughs> Jane's sitting going, oh I might actually endorse this, you know, yeah. still game's over, she's looking for the next big project. That's right, and of course. <laughs> we'll, we'll send her a pitch and some wine and gin and rum. And <laughs> yeah, we need Midori. a lot more, a lot of booze to sell that one, yeah. So now that still game's over is there you know is there any i know the chat around my group of friends when it was ending was ah bullshit they're coming back there's going to be a tent so do you is that going to happen or do you want that to happen or are you looking for new projects or what's the go now well definitely the boys have said that's it greg's actually in la just now and um he fucked off for the millions didn't he <laughs> <laughs> the money and ran i didn't say that <laughs> uh, so he's away and i know that Ford's doing other stuff and everybody's kind of busy with different things so i I know that, um, I, I, well, certainly what they said to me is that we're all dead now in it and <laughs> that's definitely the end of it. You know, they've written, they don't want it to drag on. They don't want people to go, mm, you know, it's not very good anymore or anything. Nobody wants that. Everybody wants it to end in a high. And I think the way that they ended it, the way we faded away was lovely, actually. It was really clever. And I genuinely... Um, unless they gamble all their money away or something. I don't know. I, I genuinely don't think it'll come back, no. That, that's certainly not the plan. Not just like, like a heaven episode. Well, I suppose that was kind of what the live show was, wasn't it? It was the afterlife. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the Hydro was kind of the full stop. And I think, like, people say, well, maybe you could do a Christmas special. But the trouble with the Christmas special is if you get X amount of money to make six episodes, you don't get a sixth of that. You get much less than mm-hmm. that to make a special. And people want a Christmas special or a New Year special to be amazing. Which isn't always about money, it's about the writing. 
and the boys are fantastic writers but I think they all feel that if you were to do that it would lose some of the magic it would never live up to the expectations that people thought it would or think it should so I really don't think there will be any more no it has to be shit hot as well like see like they're bringing back um Gavin and Stacey for a Christmas episode and I've got a lot of friends down in, in, in Cardiff and stuff and I'm a little bit worried for them because they're so excited about it and I'm like what if it's not good? Like, I mean, the, the difference is Gavin and Stacey was there for three seasons, yeah. and there was probably they ended at the right time. And I feel still games kind of that. It's nice to full stop it at some it's point. Nice to have a you know, you stop. captured the zeitgeist and led the conversation in a country, and it's about allowing other shows to come out from that as well. Of People course, that have been influenced by it. The same and, way and, other and, shows have in the past. And believing in things as well, because sometimes the first series of something isn't very good. That's by the nature of tons of things that have now become huge successes all over the UK, all over the world. But if, if you immediately, it's not brilliant and you panic and you say, right, cut it, pull it, it didn't work. You're never going to get anything great. And, and Ford and Greg, they were writing together for a long, long time. And we did a show called Pulp Video, which was some good things in it, some not so good things in it. Uh, and then they went on to do Chewing the Fat. So I did the radio shows for that, actually, but I didn't, then I didn't do the show. But if they ha- if we hadn't done Pulp Video and been allowed to, to fail in parts of that, being allowed to learn, record things in front of a live studio audience, we all really grew from that. Ford and Greg then met and started writing together. Then that was Chewing the Fat, and then that grew. And then, you know, with anything, with even Two Doors Down, the first series, you know, you could go, oh, well, we'll, we'll pull that. But no... They said, let's do another. And and that's got better and better and better every year that it's been on. And, and and that's what needs to happen. People need to be a wee bit brave and say, the first series might not be brilliant, but stick with it. Give it a chance. A lot of these people are just learning about TV. And, you know, like you say, the first season might not be brilliant, but they've learned so much. So the second season, they'll deliver even better. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's like no one walks into a, a sitcom or a writer's room and go, right, I'm going to write the best season of my life first time. I have you know, course. it's all about experience. You, um, something just popped into my head there. And it was you, Danny had mentioned this earlier. Have you been with the guy since the very, very start, just before? I the- met Mark in 1989, I think it was, at drama school. I met Greg, I think, in 92. When we did a panto, um, then I think it was about 94, 95. I met Gavin and Ford, and then just after that, Sanj and Paul. So, I mean, I genuinely do think of them as my family. We've grown up together, we've, you know, all the things that have happened in our lives have kind of experienced together. And you were in tune, the fat was. I was in the radio shows. The radio show, tune the fat. So, and then I went to. Um, to teacher training college and I remember then because I wanted to have kids and I thought well I can't keep tuning about as an actor so I, th- I thought I'll do that and then I was in the hospital Ian was born on the 29th of December and I remember I got mastitis I was trying to feed him it was utterly horrendous and I remember sitting on a rubber ring with my boobs agony with cabbage leaves <laughs> on my boobs and it was the bells and all the nurses like have you seen that tuna fat? Everybody's going to watch tuna fat at the bells. Tuna fat is building. Tuna fat says tuna fat says tuna fat. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrid. And uh, and much as I loved the boys and I wanted them to do well, I thought that's my fucking luck. Then <laughs> now that it's taken off and everything's good and I'm not in it. And then Julie came to see me, who's Greg's wife, when the baby was like Ian was like a week old or something, two weeks old. And she had to take me down to the doctors again because I still had mastitis and it was like hideous. And she went, oh, Jane doll, I promise you it's going to be okay. The boys are writing a new thing and you're going to be in it. 
is this why you now give blood before every major thing that you do is just <laughs> after that one incident if only i'd given blood just before. if only i'd given blood i know probably. i feel like there might be a lot of people listening to this right now asking the same question i'm about to ask did karen dunbar steal your part and uh, tuna fat then was that no, was that no, meant no, no. to be you no never 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 no 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 um the parts that she played were so right for her and i'm not just saying that actually i love karen and karen and i are really close friends we're not, not close because i don't see her all the time but we're really good friends and i love her dearly i would trust her with my life and uh, and i was so glad when she was in the hydro a few people actually said to me oh you're a bit put out that karen's in the hydro i'm like why no 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 um Things happened for a reason and those parts were right for her and she was doing loads of stand-up. I wasn't a stand-up. You know, what I do is different and it didn't, it wouldn't have fitted into that. So, no, completely not. In fact, it's funny because at the time, much as I didn't really know Karen, I didn't know Karen at that time and much as I was watching it going, (laughs) but I love my wee baby, but I wish I would do that as well. Um, then when it so then we went on to do still game and that kind of went crazy. Then it must have been quite hard for Karen as well because she wasn't right for Isa, but she probably would love to have been in, in still game. So and I suppose that's a question that a lot of people wanted answered. And it was nice that the guys brought Karen into the live show. It was, Absolutely, because everybody would have expected because you've seen most of the cast from uh, True and the Fat going into still game, and everyone was like, "Where is Karen?" And you know. People would have assumed that because she had her show, you know, she'd went on to create an independent show and maybe she was focusing on that and other projects, but it, it seemed an unanswered question for years. And then you popped up and became this iconic character. And, you know, now you look at both uh, actresses, actors uh, separately, no one else could have played Isa other than you, in, in my eyes, anyway. I don't know about that, but I certainly think. Like the people, my mum and dad were older, so I'm an only one. And my mum was 43, my dad was 48 when I was born. So that has influenced my whole life because, I mean, like even now my mum's, my dad's away, but my mum's in her 90s and and the chat that I get from my mum is just mental. And our friend, Mrs Robertson across the road, Mrs R, who I've called all my life. And like, I'll give you an example. So um, the boys were in the car once, this is when we were doing panto. And my mum, now both, bear in mind, they're both teenagers. And my mum said to them, Are you wearing a strap on? <laughs> <laughs> the boys love that. Like, mum, a seatbelt. And then <laughs> Mrs. R, Mrs. R said to me a few months ago, um, she went, That's the doctor. She, went, she actually said to my mum, The doctor, Jean, is giving me pills for the weather <laughs> to make it sunny. And my mum went, My mum's already a bit muddled, but my mum went, you get pills now to make it sunny, Margaret. Oh, aye, the doctor will give them, Jean. So my mum asked me if she could get tablets to make it sunny. Of course, Mrs R was given vitamin D. Uh, yeah, yeah. The doctor had said it replaces for you being in the sun. So, in joke, Mrs R also told me recently she had a urinal infection, which just... <laughs> It just tickles me. That's a plumbing issue. <laughs> so they tickle me all the time. And that's how I was brought up. My auntie Maisie McCarrick, I remember she fell coming out of our church. And she said to me, I said to the minister, oh, you see before you, a fallen woman. And it was just that she's so, the whole, the way that they were, she was always offering a wee 
sensation to every bus driver because she carried fruit sensations in her bag. She sounds amazing. <laughs> she was amazing, Mandy Maisie. So I was surrounded by older characters who... It wasn't, it was Glasgow slang, but it was old school, like not quite old Scots, but not slang as we know it now. Words that they used. Um, and that's how, you know, Greg had part of that in his life, although he was brought up in Montreal, but certainly had part of that. Ford very much had that. And all the other boys had that, all of us. So we were close to women. We were close to like, even neighbours and people's, people's in the shop, neighbours that I grew up with. All of that did they are all eyes I couldn't say it's one So you person. had so many influences uh-huh. and you, that's how you brought it to life. Uh-huh. Seeing the creative process then, obviously Greg and Ford come together and deliver a script. See, when you sat down with it, were you allowed to reshape and remould no. how it would be delivered? No, you just absorbed that not. and then said, this is how I'm going to interpret it. Yeah, like the odd word you could change or the odd kind of phrase and things like that. But no, generally they were quite strict that, uh, that that's the way that it had to be. That's and sometimes, like, I had to do things where I felt, I know this woman better than you two know her. <laughs> um, I am her. She wouldn't do that. Uh-huh. But, you know, it didn't really matter. Just get on with it. That's what you're paid to do. See the lines and, and that's it. What was the, um, what was one of those moments? Like, what was the weirdest or the strangest or maybe the most uncomfortable thing you had to do as Isa where you were like, oh, I'm not too sure about this? The one with Robbie Coltrane. But I had to say to him, do you want to watch me pish? <laughs> <laughs> that was an amazing episode. And for anyone that's... Uh, one of the best things about that episode was you had these places where you could pick out, you know, there's the flats, there's the town head where Naveed's shop is, you know, the, there's locations and the show that you go, I know where that is, I know where that is. And the Robbie Coltrane episode, they were just literally driving through the north of Glasgow and I'm going, uh-huh. yeah, there's a gal of bingo, this is amazing, Costco, brilliant. <laughs> it was just like, there's Glasgow on my TV, on an actual TV show. So I was buzzing about that. Uh, is it, people love that. Strange with Taggart. People used to always love that with Taggart. They would see familiar places and we do love that. But um, yeah, that, that was a bit strange for me because I felt, oh, would I see that? But at the same time, when you would open a script, it was like opening a present because I would find things out about her that I didn't know. So in the last series, I found out that she donated to loads of charities. I found out that she was really good on the computer. I found, you know, there was, so there was tons of stuff and I was always hoping to find out about my son, Colin, and I never got to find out about him. But um, so that was always I was always scared and I used to go to guys, please don't make me naked, please. <laughs> and then there was one episode where it was a new year, but they got somebody else in to play it. And I have to tell you, she had two puddings before we recorded. <laughs> and I said to her, are you sure you want two puddings? Is this just someone that, that does that professionally? Yeah, I'm just a naked actor. I mean, she just, she didn't give a toss and good for her. She was just like, ah, I don't care, I'll strip off, I'm not bothered. But um, it was a bit embarrassing because I genuinely feel like the boys are my brothers. So, like, if there was a kind of saucy element to it, you were stripping off and doing stuff, you could kind of live with that. But imagine getting undressed in front of your brothers. Oh. That'd be you're terrible. Talking, you're talking to the wrong guy there. This guy's yeah. done a lot of stuff in front of his brothers. <laughs> that wasn't an oh, But regret. your sisters, do you have sisters? I know, I've, I've got uh, three brothers, so I'm the youngest of four, so... There's no real boundaries between us, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. I don't want to go too much into it, but like, I just, we saying you said there, it sounds amazing. I just like the fact that there's an old lady that's job is to just get naked for, you know, for cameras. 
Well, no, she wasn't, she wasn't that old, though. She was quite young. Oh, right, but... Because we're going back in time. Oh, okay, got you, got you. I was just sitting there imagining an 80-year-old just getting her kid off. Get her, get her, no, 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 no. No, we went back in time, so she was actually quite young. And I have to say her arse was far superior to mine, so that was quite good. But if only she hadn't had the two puddings. (laughs) (laughs) Let's uh, let's go back in time a wee bit then, because anyone that's listening might not know about where you grew up, how you came to be in this game. Tell us a wee bit about that. Well, that's a funny thing because oh, I just had a really ordinary background. I started off, we lived in a place in Spring Hall uh, near Rutherglen and then I moved to, well, it was kind of Rutherglen Kings Park, Rutherglen Kings Park, they kept moving the boundary and it's like in my mum and dad's street, the boundary, so it used to keep moving where you stayed. Uh, so, yeah, so we moved to there and then, um, you know, I had a dead happy childhood. My mum and dad, in fact, friends used to call them Disney parents because I was because I was the only one, and like the time for everybody, and oh, you know, both mum and dad, they were just so kind and so lovely, and there was not an ounce of trauma. <laughs> we want some juicy goss. Can you just make up <laughs> some, some childhood hurt? They were just lovely. The but thing any- about being Glaswegian, sorry James, is that Disney parents could also have really bad connotations as well. <laughs> <laughs> but anyone that knows Disney knows that there's no parents in Disney. It's always that's just parents. Yeah. And I mean, well, one has true. half to have yes. died early. Um, but yeah, so did you always... Uh, you know, have uh, ambition to go into the arts, acting, performance. Um, I was always a bit odd. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just going to be a bit to the side like Gurek. And I just, I remember like at school thinking things that maybe other people did think, but I don't think they did. I, I, and I used to play it being, let's be a fortune teller. And I used to bring in costumes. <laughs> I would be the fortune teller. I would take folks play peace money and all that off. <laughs> it was terrible. It's twenty pence. pence I'm Your cat's got to be okay. <laughs> so I used to, and I used to get my friends Elaine and Can. I'm still very close to Can, and they used to dance at the side. It was called Willie Wilson's wee bit. <laughs> and it was a private one teacher Mrs Wilson had a wee bit that kind of shot into her door it was a separate entrance for P1s so I'd go meet me at Millie Mel- Wilson's wee bit right at playtime <laughs> and we would dress up I would add a crystal ball so that was like from when I was about eight um, and I used to play the Maddie game and then I would play at Dallas so you had to have your underskirt and that would be you as <laughs> Charlene Tilton getting married you'd put your underskirt in your head and uh, so I kind of remember always having ideas for games. But Charlene Kelly? No, Charlene Tilton in Dallas. Right, oh, right. Yeah. I totally got you that don't reference. remember Dallas. But Charlene was the name of Kelly's character. You know that was much later. I was 40 before she, that neighbour started. <laughs> All right. You'll know the reference who shot JR. Yeah, I know that. Dallas. I know shoot. I know Dallas. Yes. So That's a great Dallas. theme tune. So, um, yeah, so I know that I was odd. Uh, yeah, I didn't really study and, and my head was full of mince and, and I used to go to Glasgow Art Centre from when I was about 14 and I loved it there and I kind of felt it was a f- free place to go or pretty much free um, not like now where you would have to go to a, a kind of drama school and pay for it everybody went there Robert Carlyle went there he was a wee bit older than me so he wasn't at the same time as me but tons of folk went there all different backgrounds different ages there's a brilliant teacher Robert Robin Wilson who was just so gifted as a teacher and so kind and so enthusiastic and so much fun and so he kind of encouraged me 
And I thought, there's no way I could be an actor. Folk like me aren't actors, like glamorous folk that are brilliant singers, brilliant dancers, or really loud or confident or skinny or, you know, everything but what I was, this lassie with a bowl cut or a perm or, you know, um, and he helped me with pieces to get into drama school and and he did he, he taught me so much and gave me opportunities. And then I played this part, it was an Ian Heggie play. Ian Heggie's writing is brilliant. And it was a play called Politics in the Park and I had to play a pensioner. So I would have been 16, maybe 17. And I was so used to pensioners being all around me with my Agnes and Aunt Maisie and my mum and Mrs R and everybody that I just found it so natural and I loved it. So that was 16 when I first played that pensioner. Do you remember any of the lines from that play? <laughs> I don't, actually. <laughs> I don't. I remember borrowing all the clothes of uh, my relatives. But um, Do you remember no. doing that when you were younger, going into your parents' closet and just sticking on their clothes and going in front of the mirror, just trying to act like them? Yes. <laughs> I uh, remember dressing up as a Spice Girl for a primary school talent show. There's there's a story Ooh. that not many people would believe. Yeah, tell us that. This. Which Spice School? I can't remember. That's what I was trying to think of during that. There was five of us, five wee boys in like primary five, primary six, and we lip synced dressed as the Spice Girls <laughs> in a primary school talent show. What song? Oh, I don't know. I think I possibly might have been Scary Spice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I have vague memories of wearing an orange dress. Did you have a like black permed wig at least maybe i was baby spice maybe i was baby spice <laughs> I mean, you would you would wear leopard print if you were scary spice you and would. i'm pretty sure i wore baby. an orange dress look at that cute wee face baby that beard that yeah. beard baby yeah. spice all over it <laughs> <laughs> no, so what happened then thereafter you went to you went to the, the so youth thanks theater. to robin and stuff yeah and then i went to clyde bank college for a year and um I mean, that was kind of mental that year, actually. There was some great people in the year and interesting people, people that, you know, didn't even really want to to be actors. A girl was actually told she would do a jail sentence or she could come and be in our course for a year at Clydebank College. So Seriously? she chose as you would. Weird, weird situation. See, today I was having to tidy up my house and I was going to tweet out saying I would rather do a night in jail than tidy up. Every time I had to tidy up, I would say I would literally spend a night in jail to avoid it. Oh, so, do anything to avoid yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I would do a year in college to avoid going to jail, but. I would go to jail for some things, you know. Mate, you uh, wouldn't last 10 seconds in jail with your pretty face. <laughs> no, but like in a wee cell or something, you could just sit, read a book. <laughs> I'm like, good jail, good jail. Good jail. White collar jail, eh? Like. <laughs> <laughs> on the uh, West End, if there's one there. <laughs> anyways, Clydebank College. Uh, Clydebank College. And then I went to um, uh, Queen Margaret College in Edinburgh, and that was for three years. And that was like full of like chiropody students and nurses and people doing cookery and it wasn't like the academy, um, but it but it was lovely. It was it was a great time and there was five other girls in my year and boys and we had well there was a man called Clive Perry. He's dead as well now. Nearly everybody is dead. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, Clive Perry. He ran Pitlochry Festival Theatre and he had done different things down south. Now this man could be vile. I mean, a lot of people hated him, but he was also so, so funny. And every time he would insult me, it would make me laugh so hard. <laughs> that what, actually, what, what, I really loved him. What are some of the things he would say? 
well, like your subtext is like what's going on underneath your script. I don't want to be patronising, but you know what I mean? Like your subtext, what's what you shouldn't really show. And I remember you used to always say to me things like, Jane, on 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 that, you're, you're, you're showing your subtext like a pair of red flannelette knickers. <laughs> and it was true. Do you know, I was never very good at being subtle. And, uh, you know, but he, then after we left, he a few years after I left, actually, in 92, he gave me a job at the season at Pitlochry. And he was so cruel to people. People were known to take a taxi from Pitlochry to London. People had nervous breakdowns that worked there. I mean, he was cruel, but he was also a genius. Um, I don't know what had happened to him to make him so nasty to some people and so kind and enthusiastic to others. Maybe these people were shite. <laughs> but he deployed them, so it was his fault if they were shite. That to bolster the numbers. Yeah, well, maybe so. But he do, used to do things like, I remember we'd sing this song, Sister Susie Sewing Shirts for Soldiers. And he made this girl, because we used to work quite long hours at QMC. It's not like a normal college course. You would do warm-ups a bit from back at eight. Then you would start about nine. And then you'd be in till nine, three nights a week. So it was quite long. And he made a girl from nine in the morning till nine at night singing the same song over and over. And we were dancing in the back of the song. And she'd tears streaming down her face and he would just say, Again! <laughs> Again! All day, you know, and then the, the first show, he brought us five glasses of champagne and nothing for her, totally ignored oh. her. I mean, that's at drama school, you know, when people are vulnerable and young and learning. So there's a lot of things he did were very, very wrong, but it, uh, I mean, I learned so much from him as well. But he said to me when I was at um, Pitlochry and then I got the pilot job to do the pilot for Pulp Video and it was only a week for the pilot. And he said, Pitlochry was nine months work. And he said to me, give this up. If you can't do both, give up nine months for five days on that pilot. That pilot could change your life. This job will earn you money. And it was his thing, you know, it was his company. And he said, this will earn you money for nine months, but it'll never get you anywhere. And and it ends up that I worked out that the comedy unit in Glasgow did, you know, let me do both. and And it was fine. But he was right because Pulp Video then led to Still Game. Changed your so life. So I could have done a festival theatre in Footlockery, had a lovely time, but nothing would have come of it. And he was prepared to recast and and, and write me out the contract and let me go. This sounds like such a nice man. He and actually became oh. Eric in Still Game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jimmy. So now you're a... So now you're teaching drama, aren't you? Or ha- teaching people to act? Yeah, but I haven't for a wee while, actually, because it became too much when I was doing Still Game and, you know, it became about that, not about them. Yeah. But I- I've never been more nervous than when I've had to watch kids that we've worked on a show and they've, they've, they've had to perform in front of their family and friends. I'm more nervous doing that because I've lost all control than I would ever be doing the hydro. It's weird. And, uh, and also because... I'm willing them to succeed. I I want it for them so badly when I don't really care for myself. And you've made them sing that song 900 times (laughs) there before. Again! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, no, no, I think uh, teaching is a great thing to sort of do in and out. And I think if you have kind of learned things over the years, as we all do, and you do give that back and you see... I love the shy kids. I love the kids that hate drama, that are shy, that hang about at the back, that don't want to be there. I love to see them after six months. And, you know, 
you don't need to be the person that can sing and dance and be loud. You don't need to be that. Some of the best actors I know were very, very quiet. Sanjeev Kohli, I'm not saying he's the best actor that I know. You know, he's, he's a great, he's a great performer. He's, he's been he's in brilliant. some things, by the way. Oh, he's like, brilliant, Sanjeev, he's mm. brilliant. But he was the shyest child. And, you know, he would say that to anybody. You don't need to be loud and in your face. You don't need to be the wee, gorgeous, skinny loud beauty you don't need to be that actors are don't have to represent society you can be absolutely anything and still you know find your own path and find your way forward do you do you kind of ever find a student that you go oh you're a bit shit of course <laughs> it's not like <laughs> you'd never say it because you never know how people can change but um I remember, oh bless them, and I was at a school. I shouldn't really say this, but anyway, and it, uh, there was a wee group of kids. And I just they, don't name names. No, I won't name <laughs> names. And they wanted to perform at an old folks' home, and I mean, it really <laughs> they couldn't. And they were called the Angels, but they'd made a big sign and they'd spelt it the Angles. <laughs> 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 and I remember it was me and another three other teachers, and we just what will we say? We can't send them to the old folks' home, so we told them that it was a sickness and diarrhoea bug had brought out of the old folks home and we told the old folks home that the girls had a sickness and diarrhoea bug because we just thought what do you do but I remember at that school as well this teacher Celia she was funny she was music and she was so good that she used to she used to go to Spain all the time and she had these earrings and there were fans and I remember sitting with these fourth year boys and one of them said oh miss I like your fanny rings <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! And I loved nothing more. I loved nothing more than seventy letting off a stink bomb. Or I loved chaos. I hated order. <laughs> I hated the bell ringing. I hated playing by the rules. But I did love the kids, and I did love to see them coming on. And I love working with behaviour support as well because, like kids that maybe been expelled from loads of schools in Glasgow and they're written off. And I remember there was I could I could tell you two boys probably that I thought you're bad. You're actually bad. I'm scared of you. You could, they were torturing animals at night. They were trying to hurt people. They were fucking psychopaths. They were probably psychopaths. Yes. They were probably, I would, I would, and and it worries me that my boys would go into a world where other boys like that exist because they had no conscience for whatever reason, their childhood, whatever. I don't know, but I was scared of them. And, but everybody else, you know, they'd been put out of all these different schools. They were good kids they were just kids that maybe couldn't read or write and it was embarrassing to be in the class so they would carry on to get thrown out of the class because it's easier to be thrown out of the class and be the clown than it is to be you know I know that I've got two dyslexic children one who's horrendously dyslexic I know how that feels so actually there was another wee girl who'd lost her hair who'd been horribly bullied for wearing a wig and the wig pulled off her and things so everywhere she went she Punch somebody and knocked them out <laughs> and then was thrown out the school and I think why are you throwing her out of the school? Why aren't you throwing the kid that's been that's bullying you and being cruel? So yeah, out of all the kids I worked with that had behavioural problems, only two I thought, hmm. The rest I really liked and I thought they'd could have great futures and great possibilities and really good, kind kids. And I've also worked in complex needs and sort of MLD, which is like moderate learning difficulties. And again, magic kids, really fantastic. It's funny you say that because a few years ago, I worked over in Spain and I was a teaching assistant for six months. I, I was awful at it. Like I'm truly, truly dreadful at this job. But it was kind of the bad kids that I got on 
best I got them well all the kids and like you're saying there's a couple that are just arseholes and you, you can write them off but the bad kids would try more to speak English when they can swear and they're not going <laughs> to get any trouble for it so I would always walk into this class and this kid who was always made to sit up the back I'd walk in and he'd go surprise motherfucker and I'd be like yeah hey! <laughs> <laughs> <That guy. laughs> that's amazing English and uh, and they'd just be like nah it's terrible English like just don't talk to him but he would like albeit it would be through swear words he would learn a new swear word all the time and I was like he's kind of learning English so like, that's encouraging like and I'd, every day to the point where he'd just be like what's up cunt and that would be like <laughs> first, you just like hey! <laughs> but here's a fuller sentence to make more of an impact yeah. on that. Well, <laughs> you actually need to apply the past tense to that. <laughs> I also had a class, a full class of the equivalent of primary one kids, where I walked in and one of the kids uh, put the middle finger up to me when the teacher's back was turned, and I started laughing because it was funny because it's like a little five year old boy putting middle finger up. So all the rest of them done it. So for like twenty minutes. The teacher's writing on the board and there's all these kids just looking at me with their middle finger up and me laughing and then it got a little bit sinister it got a bit like kind of hitchcocky <laughs> all these little kids just looking at me yeah i was i was awful at teaching but it's it's nobody ever kind of gives them a chance they, they just write them off so quickly i know and, and, and sometimes these other kids that find a different path in life and end up doing amazing things and if somebody believes in you it makes all the difference in the world you know but I remember I taught in the Gaelic school for a while and that's a great, it was in Finiston and that was a great experience as well. Brilliant people worked there and great kids and it, it was quite small classes and you know, the, the kids were lovely. And I remember once though, um, so you had to get an inspection. So the guy that came out to inspect me teaching drama, who really knew his subject, but he, he, he didn't speak Gaelic. So because it's a Gaelic school. Do you speak Gaelic? No. <laughs> but I was only doing supply only sort of dipping and out so I used to go to first some classes I'd say the odd word but that was it Falchi. so he put in my credit that I had to try to do more Gaelic in the class because by the nature of drama and you know all the stuff at BBC and everything you know we need to try and get them to do more Gaelic so I said right that's fine but then because I'm a lazy bastard <laughs> when he came back four or five months later I hadn't really learned anything and I thought how am I going to get around this? So I said to the kids, right, here's what's going to happen. This man's going to come in and I'm going to pretend to speak Gaelic. Now, I'll translate to him. When I translate, you do it. And if we do it really well and I get a good crit, we'll have a party next period. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we did. So like, I would go, I've just told them um, that at least to listen to what I'm saying and we've all to get into groups of four and we're going to do improvisation. So then they would be like that. Groups of four, groups of four. They don't get into groups of four. So at the end, she's like, oh my God, you have come on. I mean, it's incredible. You have a gift for languages. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so and then we did. Next period, we had a big party. <laughs> what what kind of party? Well, this coke not re- not lines of coke coca-cola come on kids sweets. this is what's known as a gateway don't touch that stuff um you you can you're definitely you, going to need it you sang in your gaelic to them as well that's jewish oh is it isn't it i don't I have no idea what the fuck's going Jane, on. Jane, you're a resident Jewish expert. Why don't you know this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the I am also a natural for languages. I just realised I speak Hebrew. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, Shalom trips. I need to... This is this is something that I 
literally have quoted and sat in a studio and went back and forth with uh, Gary Spence, who I worked with. For me, the best scene that you ever did in Still Game was the lift scene when the guys were going for the friendship there. That, isn't it? I know because that was just written so quickly. Yeah, and and I've got a, I've got a wee version of it, like I bastardised this for on air on uh, Capital Radio, and this is a wee twelve second clip taking some of the best bits out of it. Um, so I'm going to play it for anyone that's not familiar. A wedding? No, it's not a wedding. You have buttonholes on for a wedding. And it's not a court case. I'd have heard about that one. It's a day out somewhere. It's a two nintic. <laughs> I know where you're going. So that's just a wee clip of that. And it, for me, that was one of the funniest scenes that just encapsulated Isa. How long did it take you to memorise that? Because that was just like about a minute of straight you just talking shite to Jack and Victor. Well, the, they used to always write in every single script. They would put things like, Isa talks for as long as the episode is short. And it was like, don't write. So they would just add bits in. Uh, so they'd get a call from BBC, you're two minutes short. Oh, so they'd write in another wee two minutes. Nobody could be asked learning it. So they would write it in for me because she's the one that could talk, 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 talk. So I remember at lunchtime, Ford came up and said, Jane, going to just do that? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, you're kidding. How many no. pages was it? I can't even remember. But they write... Every actor will tell you if something is well written, you learn it easily. If it's not well written, it jars, it doesn't stick, there's no logical link. But I remember I, I did learn that really, really quickly. And, and I think we did that in one take. Fuck because off. I think we did it in one take because it made sense. There was a... I could see her train of thought and the way that she was going and why she was thinking it. It made sense. And... I think the way they both love women and I think Ford has been especially influenced by women in his life and really, really loves women. And like, I know the bits that he's written because I can hear his mum saying it almost in my head or, so I think I, I love that bit and I love the bit as well when like Winston fast forwards me to the punchline. I think some of the stuff <laughs> with Winston and Naveed's um, oh, sorry with the eyes and Naveed's brilliant I love that but I think also some of my favourite bits are with Winston yeah like you two had a very special relationship we did have I'm, a very I'm special coming up to get still his dinner. do in real life but I'm coming up to get his dinner when you're on the phone ooh yes. steak pie is it yes and then it's straight up it's brilliant there was a there was an amazing moment and it was when your ex-husband came back and Ooh. the boys just rallied around you. It was like, it's what it's like in real life. Like, you were a wee bit of a punching bag, but as soon as someone came and threatened yeah, your yeah. character a little bit and just taking advantage, everyone was like, get to fuck your wee cunt, basically. Yeah. That's what, can I just say that that honestly is what it's like in real life? I, I really do feel that, um, especially, especially with Gavin and, and Mark and Paul, um, I mean, I love all the boys, but the three of them in the last few years have been like the best friends you could ever wish for. Like they are like that. They've constantly got my back. They're constantly, you know, what can I do? I'll do anything for you. It, they are that, and 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 that's so. It, I, it's just strange that way that that's kind of all kind of come around now. But uh, yeah, it is like that in real life too. That's it's amazing because you. Well, if anyone listens to other podcasts with actors across the pond or reads any articles, it's strange that you find that camaraderie on a TV show because mm. a lot of people are just in and out for themselves trying to build a career and all that. But you've got a sort of community camaraderie with these guys that oh, will last 100%. forever. 
we're, we're, we're very open with each other. We're very supportive of each other. Um, we tell each other our wages, like everything. Yeah, so that everybody's in this, uh, uh, you know, knows where we are and um, we kind of get shafted. And yeah, they are brilliant friends and brilliant boys. Do you ever find, and this is a wee bit of a sidestep, but because you've been such an iconic character, that's, you know, you go out and about and you're just trying to be Jane and people all of a sudden like your eyes are, like the people, are people ever annoying? Like when you say out for out in the town or anything like that, do you ever get people kind of overstepping the mark and just being a pain in the ass? or? No, never really. People have been lovely with this show. Honestly, that's the truth. If people don't like it, they keep it to themselves. And if they do, they tell you. And um, I don't get recognised as much as the boys do. So maybe for them it's different. But nobody... Like even today, I was out earlier on in town and, you know, a few people said afterwards, oh, it was nice to meet you. But everything that happened before that, they didn't mention the show. They didn't mention anything. They just said at the end, it's nice to meet you. It's a weird one as well because you've got obviously the makeup and the voice and stuff. And in real life, you're like, holy shit, ice is hot. Like, you know what I mean? We were doing the panto last year and I'd sing this song. I was born this way. So Mark was like the baddie sidekick just popping in and out. So he wasn't supposed to do anything. He was just supposed to do a two spins. But I would go, I was born this way. And he would go, 1970. <laughs> <laughs> I was born. It's just nearly 50,000 guineas. <laughs> the whole time till my perimenopausal soon. So, um, yeah, no, no, not that. But I think because people expect you to be like her, then it's always, it's always a good thing because you, you know, you're all, you're always going to win. When you when you're used to someone that's you know this old lady and you see her and you you know maybe growing up with her and you're like holy shit like it, when when you came in because I we've met before and I've seen seen you know I've kind of binge watched quite a bit of Still Game over the last couple of years and you came in and I went oh shit. It's what Isa looks like. You know what I mean? It's, it's like you just uh, you, you're a, you're a gorgeous lady, but you you also don't look anything like you do. But you don't. You can tell. And I think if you did the voice, like you're not gonna. Yeah. But if you're out and about and you're around the show off and you're, you're getting the messages or whatever, and you, you're doing your Isa voice, I mean you're that might be know. a bit weird. You'd know. You'd know 100. Yeah, well, you should definitely do that. See, like Christmas shopping, just go on the phone and do Isa's voice <laughs> while she's in the queue, and see if anyone turns round, and then try and move forward in the queue every time. It's the way to get a good parents' night of you as well is to just kind of slip into character. And go, I've got signed DVDs. <laughs> anything, anything. Mark and I, when we um, the very first series. So the first series, nobody knew who we were, nobody knew the show, nobody knew anything. And it, when you're doing it, it's like 12-hour days, it's long old days. Sometimes you get hours to kill. So we were filming at Navid's shop up at Townhead. And it, so we did it three hours off. And Mark said, do you want to wander through the town? And we'll kid on, like, for the real, for the characters and see if people believe that we're old. Because the makeup's so good and the, the latex and the wigs and everything. So this is the truth. So we went into Boots the Chemist uh, in Sucky Hall Street and he went up to this wee girl who was about 19 behind the counter and he says, excuse me, darling, he says, would you have any rubber johnnies? <laughs> and she was like, a rubber johnny? Like and he went, aye, your French letters. <laughs> and another woman went, it's condoms they're after. <laughs> so this is true. So the girl went like that, oh, eh, yeah, um, I've got quite a lot over there. And Mark went, yeah, this is a girlfriend here. <laughs> We're going to go the whole way. <laughs> She's been round the block a few times. <laughs> he said, so we just want, I just want to be careful, you know. So anyway, 
She took us over to this wall of condoms. And I said to her, oh my darling, is, is, is that flavoured condom? What did you do with a flavoured condom? And she's like, bright, big patches of anxiety red right up her face. And she went, oh, I don't know. But she went, there's there's the banana and, and toffee and chocolate. Oh, I says, that's no use to have the diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, Mark went, have you nothing for a very mature palate? Maybe pea and ham or liver and onion? <laughs> and we were crying for laughter. We were holding each other up coming out of the shop. So, you know, we've had many... Many good times. Paul Riley, who's a minx of a man, he, Mark had um, bought this sort of sporty car and he was taking like, the makeup girls for a spin and the costume girls and everything. And he was being terrible. This was years ago. And, uh, and so he was on set and Paul and I went to a garage across the road and Paul got them to make up a Reggie plate and stick it onto the back of his motor. Do you want to know what it said? What? Ball bag. <laughs> Two days he drove about with ball bag on the back of his boat. Amazing. I mean, that's not legal, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, ladies and gentlemen, that's not legal. But uh, uh, that's, a, that's a radio producer and they need to jump in there. Uh huh, uh huh. No, but they are, they're, they're fun and they're. Paul got a, a, a thing just last series actually in front of his front door, so it was a camera, so it was, comes up live onto your phone. They love gadgets, all of the boys love gadgets. This, it, it, can you talk on it? I've seen a few of them. You can like, someone rings your oh, doorbell you can, and you can shout, like, Who hello, are you? what are you doing there? No, but we could see what was happening. So he'd had an Amazon delivery for a kind of support thing for his knee, because his <laughs> knee was sort of the, the limp with the one leg. And he saw this guy pretending to be a window washer, uh, uh, coming and stealing his Amazon parcel so he could see the whole thing on his camera and he was like McCarry McCarry come and see this you're not going to believe it look look at this guy so the whole thing's caught in camera and then Mark decided the next day because Paul was out taking this girl out for a meal that he would go to the door and start flashing at the door <laughs> <laughs> so it would flash up on his phone somebody was at the door and it would just be him but of course Paul had told his neighbours about the theft so Mark somebody took Mark's registration plate and contacted to the police because <laughs> <laughs> of a suspicious behaviour at his door oh, so man. yeah they're very they're very naughty and immature how it, disappointed would that guy be when he opened the stolen Amazon package yeah it strikes me were either of those guys the worst for corpsing on set then who was the who was the one who broke the most we all laughed we laughed so much we really did all of us um who had the record for <laughs> I don't know. We're all bad for it. I was the farter. I was the worst <laughs> farter out of all of them. Um, who was the worst at laughing? I don't know. We all laughed. We were all bad. I was probably the worst at laughing as well. When you probably say you me. were the worst farter, did like, you ever ruin any takes? Like, you know, a take's going well, you're almost at the end of it. Uh-huh. And then, like, did you ever do that and just <laughs> always, ruin them? 12 hour days though, man. Like, that's, we've all been there when you need to, like, you're in a meeting in another site, you need to travel to Manchester and you're there and, You've no other shit in the morning or whatever. He, it fucking builds up, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, I don't know about that, but I always, I've always been really, really bad. And uh, yeah, yeah, I was the worst, probably the worst for laughing and the worst for farting. I would like the idea that it's a really poignant scene as well when it had its rare poignant moments and then there's just you in the background <laughs> just going... <laughs> Sorry, lad. Yes, was, I know. I know. For the ball, considering it was all boys, they were actually quite polite compared to me. Was there ever any fights? And I'm not talking about like real fights over like you know 
what everyone would have speculated over the years was there any really simple fights you know over the pettiest of shit honestly no I can't think of any no I can't think of any I can't I I, I could tell you times where I remember last year at the Hydro Mark and I laughing so hard we were like Mr and Mrs you know in Peppa Pig Mummy and Daddy Pig. I don't know if you've ever seen them. <laughs> they lie on Me their... just showing my cat's paper pig. <laughs> they lie on their backs on the ground because they're laughing so hard they can't stand up anymore. Um, so we've had moments of that, laughing till we can't stand. Um, I don't honestly, I can't remember ever a fight. That's the honest to God truth in all those nearly 20 years. You're, you're I, saving them for the autobiography, aren't you? No, I, I genuinely, I, I can. I mean, obviously Ford and Greg had that time when it was quite difficult and they were separate, but that was kind of between them and we weren't really part of that. So we didn't witness any of that. We didn't really know any of that. It just kind of happened and then they decided to come back together again. So no, and I've never heard an argument. That's honest to God. And my sweet Mac, my Jack Russell's life, that's the truth. I hope this Jack Russell doesn't die soon. It's <laughs> <laughs> fine, the Jack Russell gave blood this morning. <laughs> We've got a couple of games to play with you, uh, but there's a, f- a couple of questions just want quick answers on. Um, how long did the makeup take? It used to take an hour and a half and it got down to about 50 minutes as I aged. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard this from a lot of the cast members, isn't it? It's like oh, the wrinkles didn't, you know, they started to appear so it was easier. Well, it used to be she used to slap my hand for ages because she couldn't get any veins to paint in blue and I had no age marks at all. You see those age spots in my hand? None of them were there. And then over the last 17 years, she doesn't have to slap my hand anymore. She can see all the big blue veins and yeah. We used to call that um, veiny penis arms in high school. Ah. So as you get older, do you get veiny penis arms? I think I've got veiny penis arms right now. <laughs> is, <laughs> that, is that not what you Who do in the gym hands? really well? Uh, it was usually the, the, the teachers that were in good nick, you know, maybe in their 60s that had the proper veiny penis arms and they looked like they were on roids or something. So... If you're getting veiny penis arms, it means you're in good nick, so well played. Oh, that's good, thank you. Maybe not arms, but hands. <laughs> Did you steal anything from the set? Um, I used to steal cola bottles all the time. <laughs> what, from the shop? Uh-huh. <laughs> was that a real, was that a real shop then? Well, we did film some of it in a real shop and some of it was a set, but they had like cola bottles and all that out. And then one day after my hundredth cola bottle, I said to Sanj, what are those wee bits in it? And he went, I don't know. And I said to the girl, what are those bits? And she said, oh, I don't know either, I'll ask. Next day, yeah, everything was sprayed with stuff you couldn't touch and it was rat droppings. That was, oh, yeah, because yeah, they weren't nice. covering them up at night. So uh, it was rat droppings all through all the cola bottles and all the wee penny sweets and I used to eat them constantly. So what you're saying really is that if you're after a sweet delicacy, rat shit. Is obviously quite that a nice shit thing. Is the answer. Yeah, I know that's terrible, isn't it? The urine in it and everything. Christmas no wonder is you're farting all the time. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what we used to do. Well, no one's out, no one else is doing that. You could be the spokesperson for eating ratchet. I guess <laughs> you could be the well, face of ratchet. I was never ill. Don't think <laughs> I was you want to. You know what? Popularise eating ratchet. Ah, yeah, I mean, there's kids out there that shouldn't be doing that. No, the thing is, in five years' time, they'll be like, "Right, right, guys, we were we were wrong." Rat shit is the way to go. Like, it's not, don't be vegan, eat rat shit. It'll solve the world. Well, that's so, it. And it's free. And actually, when I, was, <laughs> when I was doing Me Too, we used to, we, we, there was a rat catcher and there was a big sticky mat on the grass outside. And we used to have to 
um, like every Monday morning there would be like 25, 30 rats in Granny Murray's garden would have to take away because it was a, a plant next door, the Rolls Royce plant was getting brought down so all the rats were coming over and then sometimes you'd be filming and they would have to cut because there'd be a rat burrowing at Granny Murray's back door trying to get in. <laughs> so I just incorporated that into the show. I know, I know. Honestly, they would, they would go cut. There was a rat in the background. My oldest nephew, uh, his favourite TV show was, and still is, Me Too. Oh, yeah, bless He's him. 14 and he still religiously watches it on YouTube. Oh! Like yeah. Um, <laughs> doesn't want to tweet out about that, though, does No, he? he doesn't want no. any pals to <laughs> no, know, obviously. No, no, so no, his name. I won't tell him that Callum Henney still watches Me Too. It's his favourite <laughs> TV show <laughs> on YouTube. Callum, don't hashtag that. Aye, yeah. It's, it's, sorry, Callum. <laughs> no one is going to know that your favourite TV show is still Me Too. So two things from me to one, is it the most unfortunately named kids television show in history now? Honestly, it's dreadful. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) When was it? When was it released? Oh, I'm just trying to think when we did that. Alexander, so he was born in 2004. So that must have been 2005 we did me too. While Still Game was on the go then. Yeah, I think I was yeah. doing both. I must have been doing so, both. Yeah. That has to be like yeah. one of the biggest shifts in character you will ever do. Go for it. <laughs> Still like <Granny. laughs> But um, no, I do remember. I loved it. And uh, the guy that played Mickey John, uh, he, Johnny, he wrote with Sanjeev. They write Fags, Bags and Mags for Radio 4. He's written loads of stuff. He's written McGregor. He's written all different things, Johnny. And he was so funny. And he used to like send me like fake jobbies in the posts to me, like what we pigeonholing, you know, it was a it was bizarre, but it was great fun. I must say that I did absolutely love doing me too. Uh, and the girl that played Bobby, she she was from um, down south and she had two young children. And then the show went out while we were still recording it because we made hundreds of episodes. And uh, she, her kids used to cry and say, oh, mummy, have you moved, have you moved to another family? And why have you got Kai? And why do you put Kai to bed? And why don't you live with us anymore? And it was really traumatic for her actually it was it was really difficult but uh, what was the general gist of it then was it just like a singing dancing thing or no, it just... was it, it was a good idea it was the people that made Ballymore actually and it was to try to kids like, the parents worked to show that lost parents had to go out to work and what they did at work while you were at the childminder and that the childminder was a lovely safe place to be an exciting place to be and you were very safe and all the things that you would do and all the things you would kind of explore while you were at the childminder but we had this weird mannequin called Claude he was this wooden statue and one day we came in and they painted his hair yellow it was this kind of brown wooden statue with yellow hair it was very very strange and nobody commented on why and um yeah, I remember as well, like, so we'd filmed most of it and then the BBC said, BBC said, like, basically, and it was mostly we white children. And they said, you need to have more of an ethnic mix. It's not right. But there was no time to refilm everything. So, like, there was episodes where Granny Murray goes into a shop with, like, two white children and comes out with two black children. <laughs> <laughs> and there was just but, no mention of why they changed colour. Really they just had. That's yeah. when we do in shops. We take white children and we exchange them for black children. Yes, yes, yes. It was like, oh, it was very strange. But no, it was it was well done. And it was um, Helen Doherty and another guy, Brian, who, who they worked closely together. Genius is actually very, very clever and... Uh, it, it was a great experience actually but it was long hours and it was hard work with young children yeah, I can good, imagine good pay well everybody will tell you who does CBBs the repeats are they save your life for 10 years those repeats that saved was, my life when we weren't doing still game 
Yeah. Uh-huh, because they show them, show them, show them, show them, show them. We really need to campaign to get the name of that show changed now so that we can get you back on CBBC. <laughs> <laughs> get the, get these, I get these know repeats. it's so unfortunate. But, even the kids changing colour, we can sort of morph that and sort of reboot a Mr. Ben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I loved Mr. Ben. Maybe me as well. Maybe me. It's, does that make sense? No, just... just me well, just, as well. Just make it Scottish, me and all. Me and all. Me and all. Me and all. There yeah. you go. Solved. Aye. That's it. That's well it. done. Me Before we get into probably two of the most ridiculous question games that you'll ever experience in your life, what was your favourite still game moment slash episode? I, I honestly couldn't tell you because the joy that we had on set every day was just crazy. And sometimes it's not the best it's not the ones that you love watching, it's the ones that you've loved filming. The one when we were playing poker, we were all together and they were looking, and Shug was supposed to be looking with the, the, the binoculars. She's that brought sandwiches! Yes, that was great fun. We were all together and that was great, great fun. Um, I loved doing the Laurel and Hardy, because I love Laurel and Hardy, so I loved doing the one where it was painting and decorating and the boys were decorating my flat. That was maybe my favourite episode. I loved that. That, made, that made me anxious. Like, as they were oh, showing yes. your house, I'm like, but you have to fix that. It's a women's house. No, no, no. <laughs> that was one of my favourites. And the slosh, I loved doing the slosh. I loved, actually, do you know one of my favourite episodes from the new block was with Craig Ferguson? I thought he was brilliant, and I he's thought huge. Like, yeah, like, you know yeah. I mean, he, he literally we talked about uh, Gavin and Stacey earlier. This guy had the show for over a decade that James Corden's yeah. now doing, yeah. and he's like he's fantastic. Is oh, he, he's brilliant. Is he's, he living he's, over here now, or is he still? Yeah, yeah. Well, he invited us to his uh, castle, um, and he's got he, he's got a house. I think or he's probably got houses all over, but he's got a castle down in Girvan, and uh, oh my god! And it was one of those things. Uh, so we went down to a party there and we, we, we all the kind of cast had gone down and Mark and I drove down together and Mark was driving and I was waving as we came into the driveway but I didn't know that his wee tiny cab dog called Cabbage was going under the wheels of my car. So while we were waving, Craig was going, no! But in the distance, I just thought he was waving back. And I'm just saying, there he is, Mark! Hello, Craig! That's us here, no! <laughs> and we were like a second away from running over the dog. Thank fuck. Which is, which is I've had to carry just straight back to Glasgow. I couldn't get into the park. Bye, guys. Bye, oh, I'm so terrible, sorry. Straight to the but, pet shop, eh? Oh, get a new dog. Terrible. This one, it's even better. Terrible. But anyway, it was, a great, it, was, it was great fun and I've never been in a, a castle that somebody owned before. I've only been to Stirling Castle or Edinburgh Castle. It's like that still what? game episode, wasn't it? When Jack and Victor ended up in that like fancy yeah, country manor. fancy house. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then everybody just decided to crash the party. Oh, it was brilliant. <laughs> it was. It was so good. And we stayed over and like all of us stayed over and we all came down for I mean, it was. It was really magical. It was special. And his, his stories are great. He's not a blowhard. He's very humble. He's very funny. Uh, he's, he's a cracking guy actually and I, I, I did I must say that I got on really really well with him when I was working with him you got his number in your phone uh, I actually think I do <laughs> please give us it we'll go <laughs> we'll go to him to record but yeah. we'll just head to the castle we'll, we'll, we'll bring some uh, treats for cabbage treats. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well Mark and I actually just filmed a thing for South Ayrshire Council and it was about moving it was a DVD if you move into your new council house what you do um, so there was Lord of whatever you know, some huge kind of lord down there that was at the party. And he said to me, oh, so now I think I might recognise you. And I said, have you just moved into a council house? <laughs> <in South Asia?" laughs> he was like, oh. no, it was very nice. 
I'm going to leave you guys to whoever wants to pitch their game first. Oh, I've got first. my quick fire question games up with my oh, game. Oh, yeah, that was your quick fire questions that maybe weren't as quick fire as you But these guys, Shane likes to ask a question, Danny likes to play a game. Well, so the thing is, you've worked with some really talented people and you've probably got some massive career highlights, obviously. Um, we've got a game that might top anything you did for Still Game, any sold out shows at the Hydro. Yep. Plus, you get to see some real absolute underground talent when Danny does his song. He does an intro. Oh, Danny. Well, you actually introduced me. I thought you were doing your thing No, first. no, 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 no. We'll, we'll do Shane's thing saying, after. No, you're all right. I'm ready. I've but got he, it. He's yeah. selling you. It's like WrestleMania commentary. <laughs> here. I, I realised the last time I sang this, it's, it's very degrading for everyone involved. So I apologise in advance for that. Oh, yeah. Shane, we right? Shane had sent a voice message earlier saying we should do this with Jane and both Danny and I messaged each other afterwards going, nah. Yeah. But then I looked through your Twitter and I seen some of the, the I think Sanjeev had given you a, a t-shirt. Oh yeah, you'll yeah, hide your wank. Yeah, and I thought, well, <laughs> she'll be fine with us. <laughs> Jane will be alright with us, one. So, up to you if you want to sing. Let's go. Uh, boobs and wellies and bombs and jazz. What does it mean? The Urban Dictionary quiz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just need that awkward pause. So, uh, hello and welcome to the Urban Dictionary quiz. We are joined this week by returning champion Shane, as always. Woo! And the guest taking him on <laughs> is Jane McCarry. Jane, how are you? Oh, very well, thank you. <laughs> uh, James, you'll be playing the role of judge. Let's do a little anecdotal banter here. How are you? Me, I'm shite myself. What, what have you got lined up for Jane McCarry? You know, uh, I've, 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 watched, I've watched Jane for years on my TV and we're about to explore topics that I never thought would be... Yeah. In the realm of the conversation I would have with me. this woman. I was going to say me too. Me and all. Me and all. Me and all. Yeah. So uh, just to make you familiar with the rules of this very in-depth, very, very high-brow game. Uh, are Pe- you aware of the website Urban Dictionary? Yes. Yes. So it's three words from the Urban Dictionary and you both have a guess as to what you think the definition of the word is. I will read out the answer. Judge James decides who's closest. Winner has to stay on forever. So if you win this quiz... You're stuck with us. You need to just come back every time we record. <laughs> okay. So, just yeah, it's it's we're all ready, Shane. You're I'm ready to go. Yeah, good I'm to go. I'm stretched. I'm flexy. I'm. By the way, I'm see the one that stays on. Like for the past three weeks, Shane has drawn this competition. <laughs> so by proxy, he's stayed on, and we've let the guests get off of it. So. There needs to be a winner today, yeah, surely. Come on. Uh, yeah. right, so. I mean, you are a lovely lady, but you are going down. I'm going to be the person that crushes... <laughs> I'm looking down in you, Shane. <laughs> Categorically telling you that, dude. <laughs> right, so our first word, and we'll give Jane first crack at okay. Fuck You Puppet Theatre. So, the fu- <laughs> Fuck You Puppet Theatre. Uh, a definition, please, for that. Can you use it in a sentence? Uh... Yeah, um, I brought my fuck you puppet theatre to the White House and had a field day. Hmm. Ooh. Fuck you puppet theatre. To the White House. That, that is the example, Gavin. I brought my fuck you puppet theatre to the White House and had a field day. Well, if it's a puppet, then it's got to be something you wear in your hand. If it's something you wear in your hand, then it's basically just... It has to be a, just a big Vicky. A big sponge Vicky. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Okay. What's a sponge Vicky? The Vicky is the two fingers. <laughs> the Vicky is the two <laughs> fingers. So, like, you know when you used to see those big sponges? Well, you still do. The big sponges. So, a big sponge yep. Vicky. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's it is. fine, right? 
Okay. If that's not it, we should start a fucking merch stand for big sponge videos. <laughs> <laughs> Just for football games, like, fuck you, fuck Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> we'll sell it outside the White House as well, before you go on your White House tours. I reckon it's a series of, um, like, hand puppets or gloves, right? Maybe they're socks, but they've definitely got the googly eyes. You know those googly eyes that you can get from the craft shops. And I think it's what you do when you you've just, I mean, you're in a hotel or something, and you just you've you've touched yourself so many times that you just need to mix it up a wee bit. So you've got a hand puppet, right? That you like to do the wee ventriloquist, like, oh, how are you going, Shane? And you go, nice, Pamela Henderson, and she goes, oh, you look all right. And you go to town with a different character. Every night. So it's a series of gloves that you, you whack off to, essentially. I think that's two very noble answers, but I will say that one of you is one finger away from the most perfect answer we've had on this game. And it is a do-it-yourself puppet theatre you create from an empty see-through plastic container that you can fit on your entire hand as you freely flip the bird to whomever, to whomever you feel hostile towards, since it doesn't really count because it's puppet theatre. So Jane, yeah, so Jane. Oh, I've got that point. You can did. I, can I say, as I wandered through Debenhams today, and there's plenty of other shops that people could frequent, but uh, there was a, a product for your hands called Hand Relief. I felt that was inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I never know what to get men for their Christmas. I'm just going to get like 10 bottles of Hand Relief. I'd- Either that or what Shane has described. I mean, yes, if this was yeah. Dragon's Den, I'm investing in both. Thing. Yeah. yeah, I like the googly eyes as well. I think like, like just like, handle it. Be- Anderson is very good. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's the, a very respectful losing answer. Yeah, good, but, but oh, you are well done, you are one Shane. nil down. But it's one nil. Whatever way you look at it, it's one nil. Right, uh, second word, and they all start with the letter F because I done this at the last minute. And um, so the second word is fud monker. <laughs> right, it's all one Shane, word. It's all on you here. Use it in a sentence, please. Uh, dude, you're such a fudmunker. Um, oh shit! If, if it makes things any different to anyone, fud is spelled with two d's in this, and it's all one word. So fudmunker. So it could be foodmunker if you're Swedish. Foodmunker. <laughs> fudmunker. I'm really drawing blanks on this. You're aren't? also sweating because you might lose. Yep, yep, yep. Either that, or both you get it wrong, then we can go to a stalemate again. <laughs> when we draw it like it always does. Um, whoa, okay, so a fud monkey is when you're making love, right? But you do it to Elmer Fudd and you have to sit on a couch. So, like, it's like, it's kind of like, you know how doggy style looks? But everyone's sitting on a couch and you're watching the, that's all folks, like Looney Tunes, Elmer Fudd. I think I've gone for a long shot, but I'm hoping it's, it's going to pay off. Okay. Jen? Jen? I think a fanny, if you will. A f- it's it's just a dafty. So I think it'd be just a term for a dafty. Somebody who's who's done something silly or daft. Again, two very noble attempts. Well done, both of you. I'm very proud of you both. Uh, but a fudmonker is a person that puts a penny up their arse. <laughs> <laughs> so, two wrong yes. answers. <laughs> As a judge, I'm not really saying what's right or wrong here, but... <laughs> Don't be judging jury over anybody, James. I'm, I'm, here, to, I'm here to play the, the tension bed for the oh, last yeah. answer. Oh, <laughs> Sudden death. Somebody who puts yeah. a penny in their anus. Yeah, yeah. A person putting a penny... Well, it says ass, but I hate that word. A person putting a penny up their arse. So they're like a vending machine. 
doesn't say. They're just, they're just <laughs> come out. I don't know. Probably. Are they, are they pushing it right up? <laughs> or are they just putting it in the? the I am only the, the hosts. I am not the author. I am only the host. Right. So it's still one nil. Can we still one nil? And yes, we have it's, finished it's, on a draw the last three times. So. How many questions are there? There's one more. <gasps> So this, this that, that's allows us to be a draw, or you lose. <laughs> this is the weird part about this game where it only can be a draw. Like he doesn't have a draw breaker or a tiebreaker or anything like that. It's yeah, like, but it, if you try hard, you might get a draw. It works nicely for us because it means that you can keep coming back, and the <laughs> yeah. guest doesn't need to suffer through a banner for another <laughs> yeah, episode. Right, so we're going for the last one here. Here so we go. The last word again. It's all one word, and it is full shitting. Jane, you're up first. Take a swing. Well, full shitting would suggest full of shit. So one would imagine full shitting was to bluff, to um, try to con somebody, to try to pull the wool over the eyes of another. Yeah, I, I normally would go something different, but I'm, I'm, I think it's, you know, when you're bullshitting, I think it's taking that to the next level, so it's taking the lie for ages. Like, you know, oh, me and Obama are mates. You're quite clearly not. But no, you, no, but if, like... If you go down this line of answer and both of you get it right, you lose. I know, but I, I would like to take a noble loss if I'm more right, I think. I don't know, like, it's kind of like... I think it's when you go to the, the extents of fucking photoshopping Obama in a photo with you. Now, have we asked for it to be included in a sentence Oh, yet? shit, put it in a sentence, please. Uh, it kind of gives it away if I use it in a sentence. Well, right. You, you just can't then. You just can't because that would be unfair. Yeah. Uh, if I, even the sentence I want to make up would give away the answer. All right. What was the word again? I have another go. Full shitting. It's when you. Well, this this might be it. This is you know when you go to the toilet, right? And we all do it. Um, and you you just get a massive one long poop. Like you just fucking absolutely nail it. It's like ginormous, like the kind of thing that I'm not proud of it, but you take a photo and you send to like that that group chat you've got, like you know the great shit group chat. <laughs> I think it's. Just Girls the, don't usually have that. I'm not being sexist. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I think he's isolated in having that. <laughs> I don't have it, but I've occasionally sent messages. I know she's got have it. Mate. She, you've got. She has a what? You've actually admitted that you. Yeah. You've, you've, you've won something tonight, pal. That's, yeah. yeah, you've created a group chat with you and your work phone just to send those pictures to yourself, haven't you? Yep. Uh, I did I, get a picture of a jobby once from Mark Cox, and it was exactly the the number sixty nine, <laughs> which was quite incredible, actually. In a toilet. Yeah, number six and a number nine. What size is this toilet? That, that suggests to me that he's fucking <laughs> shitting in a pool. Oh, no. <laughs> Either that, he's doing little tiny shits. Just shitting in the sink. Six to nine. That yeah, sounds yeah. like one of those things where you're repulsed, but you can't take your I eyes off it. Yeah, incredible. I need to look at this anyway, yeah. So, so Danny, I'm going to press the tension bed. Right, okay. um, anyone that's got headphones on, which you don't, but the guys have, will Come hear this. Come on, then. Give right. us the answer. So, full shitting is the opposite of bullshitting. When you put forth your full effort into something, but it's still shit. For example, the Scotland football team. Aww, they won 3-1 yesterday. They went 1-0 down to Kazakhstan. But they still won, which is but good. But they won. Yeah. But the good thing about Scotland being shit, as a Southsider like me, is that the traffic isn't that bad on nights that they're playing at Hampton now. It wasn't that busy last night. Yeah, it's Hampton. good. <laughs> <laughs> I Hampton too. It wasn't Southside wins. All our, all our closes are free of urine these days. Now, so, Danny really does that. We're both wrong, which means I've won 1 0. You have won. We <laughs> have a winner. Does this, mean, does this mean we retire Urban Dictionary quiz? No, or? it means that, Jane, really, you, you've 
sold yourself short because you need to come back here all the time. Sponge Coming soon to Drunk Therapy Merchandise website. <laughs> Shane, you're now a way to teach children how to act, I'm afraid. So yeah. how do you feel I'm about that? I'm a way that? to pantomime. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a way to greenock. Jack of the Beanstalk. I wish I knew what character I was playing, but I'm too lazy to read the script. But I've still got till Monday, so there's plenty of time. Oh, you need to plug something. So yeah, plug plug your panto. Yeah, yeah. County Greenock. See, Mark Hans, Jerry McCarvey, Sarah Jack of the Beanstalk playing two characters we don't know which yet but we'll be something yeah, there won't be Jack or the Beanstalk or the Giant we know I'll that. go for the beauty and he'll not be Jack I can guarantee you that you can have a, the best fuck you puppet theatre and a pantomime uh, in front of children like a bag over the thing is going. I read in an early version of Jack and the Beanstalk there's a huge toilet that you get a six and a nine in yep. that's yeah. definitely not <laughs> I honestly just coming off the back of that quiz thought you said jacking the Beanstalk like some form of weird like messed I was like jacking the beast. Yeah, you've had enough masturbation. I mean, she's like the, she's like the no, first lady no, of Scottish no. comedy for my fucking generation. You calm down, all right, mate? Hey, she's jacking the beast. It's not my no, fault. Bring your children. Uh, well, that was that was kind of leading into my last question, and I'm sure the guys. What's next? Then, what's your big dream goal now? The the most successful Scottish comedy sitcom of all time has ended. You were a massive part of that. You've got your own production company. You're teaching kids as well um, I've done that for a wee while I have to say James I can't take credit for that of late you, you brought through Martin Compton Richard Madden <laughs> all of those guys you taught Shrek <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what, what is the big dream then what's uh, what's next do you want to create programmes with Mark and this production company or what is it well Mark and I and Paul are going to Definitely, and with um, maybe the other any of the other boys, that we'd, we'd love to have them popping in too. Um, other cash from still games, so we're going to tour about and we're going to do a wee show where we just want to thank people for being such brilliant loyal supporters all these years, as ourselves, not as the characters, and uh, just have fun, have a big party, uh, have quizzes, and just carry on in stories and a bit like what this is tonight. So we're going to do that next year uh, after the panto, um, and. What would be my dream though? Oh, that's a really hard question. I'd love to play a wee character part, like a just a maid or somebody quirky or just something completely different, maybe a different accent, maybe something down south, I don't know, or guilt's just been done in Scotland. That's fantastic. Mark Bonner is just one of my heroes. I think he's a wonderful actor. I, uh, I met Mark Bonner um, in the Cat House of all places about four weeks ago. Oh, he's brilliant, and isn't he? What he, a brilliant Yeah, I actor. think he's had, he had a few and I had a few and I just see that way it blew my mind because there was like 12 people in the Cat House and we were all dancing to this punk rock music and I just looked up and I went that's a guy from Catastrophe. Oh yeah, I love like, Catastrophe. You're Mark Bonner. Well. And he was just looking at me and he gave me a big smile as if, yes, I am Mark Bonner. And I was like, I need to hug you right now. And he was such a fucking nice guy. Oh, man. he's a lovely guy. Well, do you know what? Things get around. Scotland's too small. And there's lots of people I know that I've known him from drama school. And they said then he was gorgeous. I know loads of people that have worked with him since. Everybody, every single person. I said, what a gentleman and what a brilliant actor. Oh, I'd fantastic. love to work with him. Love to work with him. Shout I met Mark him Bonner. at the BAFTAs, actually. Uh, yeah, oh, I did. Yeah, and he's um, oh, he's a lovely man. Just just brilliant. So, But there's loads. Mark Cops is brilliant. So there's loads of people out there that are doing really well and doing well UK-wide. So I guess, and, and worldwide, really. So... I, I mean, it takes me right back to the old days when I thought, 
no, somebody like me, somebody ordinary, you can't do that. You just, you know your place, you stay where you are and your wee bubble and you can't get any more than that. But if you said, what is the dream? Then that would be the dream to break out and, and do things. Yes, I love Scotland and I'm proud of Scotland and, and things in Scotland, but things that could you know, be you well. Scott, it's still game was UK wide actually the, the past good few years, but to keep that going and and uh, and just to kind of break out and be somebody that's maybe not a pensioner. <laughs> well, I'm sure that what what you're saying there, you love Scotland. I'm sure that everyone in Scotland would love to see you UK wide and worldwide because we all like appreciate and respect and believe in your talent to do that. Oh, James, God be good to you, bless you. Ah, uh, thank you. That's I'm just really here. confused. Did Mark Bonner also name the kittenizer that he got from the cat house? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> 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 yeah, Wouldn't you to end your show? Okay. And we didn't we didn't quite get to it, but are you going to end on your murder no, question? No, no, not the murder question. I was just going to say if there's anyone like because I imagine it's quite a hard industry to break into, and if there's anyone that's listening now that wants to be an actress or wants to be, you know, not the next Isa, but you know, the next big lady and and, and all the programs, the Scottish things, what would your advice be if someone wants to break into acting and and, and make it? I remember when I went for my very first audition for the comedy unit, and. It- I just left drama school and they had all these rules. You, you don't use props. You don't do this. You don't do that. You don't. And it was all the things like an advice to be professional and look like you knew what you were doing. And that that's good and well. But it meant that you'd be the same as everybody else. So what I did was I made sure that I did everything the opposite way of what I'd been told to do which could have been a disaster. I could have looked I'm drama and I, it, it might not have worked. But Colin Gilbert at the comedy unit gave me a break and I'm very grateful for that. And, you know, he maybe saw something because it was a wee bit different, a wee bit quirky. So I think that's that would be, be true to yourself. Don't do what you're told to do because you think it'll get you into the industry. You have to find your own path. It might not work for you, but there's a much better chance of you doing well if you're different and individual. And even if that means... I suppose I don't know. You, 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 I've always looked ordinary. I've always kind of been like girl next door. I've I've never really been special or stood out. But find a way where you are different to everybody else, but still be true to yourself. And I think that's maybe the key. Just somebody taking a wee chance on you, and you have to be lucky. I was lucky with Robin Wilson. I was lucky with Clive Perry. I was lucky with Colin Gilbert. You know, I was lucky that Ford and Greg wrote that show. I, I know people far more talented than me and I'm not I'm not just saying that I truly mean that friends that actors that I know that I've never had a break never had a chance a lot of it is luck but a lot of it is also hard hard work never giving up and believing in yourself and being true to who you are it's beautiful I honestly kind of you know got a wee bit emotional when you said that though it's like fucking real, real talk, in it? Yeah, if you could, like, see, we could lift that and give that directly to someone that is in the position Shane said, I think they would take a hell of a lot from that because it's, it's tough to, well, it's tough to put yourself forward for something. You know, a lot of people have got shitloads of anxiety, self-doubt. And, and it is personal. It, it, it isn't personal in terms of you're just not right for that part and there's nothing that you could have done to make, you just weren't going to get that job. You're not right for it and somebody else is and it's not like a talent it's just that they've got a picture in their head of kind of who they're looking for and that isn't you so the second you walk through the door no matter how good you are you're not going to get that job um so you don't want to take it too personally you don't want to get down on yourself 
but at the same time it is personal because it's you going in giving your all you've worked hard you've learnt the piece or whatever you're, you're, you're allowing yourself to be open and then someone goes nah no thanks not you uh, and it's hard to kind of pick yourself back up and then do the next edition the next edition the next edition and I know people that have been auditioning now for 30 years and they've still never got a break and they're brilliant so I don't know how you deal with that I don't know how you like keep your mental health good and I don't know how you pay your bills and I, 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 I you know and you don't just throw the towel in I, the answer to that is I genuinely don't know because I have been lucky but that's your you know it's just a choice that everybody has either you keep plugging away or you, you you go and do something else where you feel your talents are used when I was teaching I never felt like that was second best I genuinely loved doing that and I got so much out of that that I got as much out of that as I do from acting sometimes I got more out of that actually to be truthful so you know there isn't just one path there's all different things that we can do and and different ways that you can give back and and I think if you if you do see that well, maybe you've not been lucky, but you can see that you've brought other kids on, the wee shy kid at the back of the room. They feel good about themselves. They feel confident. Sometimes I've had some tweets and I've been a shite sometimes when I've been teaching. I've been grumpy and I've been unpleasant and, Making you know, the kids have been the difficult. 700 times. 12, 12 <laughs> yes. hours singing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All of the above. I'm not saying I'm a good teacher. I'm not. I know good teachers and I wouldn't put myself in that category. But I also know the feeling when somebody gives you a tweet or something and says actually I had no confidence in myself and you made me believe that I that I was good enough and 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 that's amazing that's a better feeling than selling out the hydro that's the truth you heard it here man better feeling than selling out the hydro it was funny because when Shane asked that question earlier about did you ever have any shit kids and you know if I was in a drama group and I was taught by someone I'd have probably been a shit kid for acting but I I see that person that maybe not be adept at the acting skill even being in that environment can help them come out their shell and learn what they are good at you know like because you could be a little shy kid you go and put yourself in that environment you can learn invaluable skills that would help you achieve something in life if you didn't put yourself in that situation not everyone's going to be on tv not everyone's going to make it as an actor but you put yourself out there in that situation then it could help cultivate the person that you can be of and then course. you could just challenge yourself in different ways. Well, of course, look at all the, you know, even just going for a job interview, it can improve your skills. Going, um, you know, so many jobs nowadays, you'd expect to be able to talk. You know, that doesn't suit everybody. Sometimes people like to just be by themselves. They don't want to work in an office that's open plan. They, they you know, they, they want to just work in their wee box and they can do really well in that and, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure that everybody's very open and very sociable and that isn't for everybody. Why should it be? We're all different and if you want to work by yourself in an office or at home and you're doing good work, then that's fine. Sometimes there's too much pressure on people to be sociable and to be good at speaking in a group or, you know, whatever. But the world is going that way and if you encourage a child who's quiet, who maybe wouldn't have done that, to be good in an interview, to hold eye contact, to, you know, have a clear voice, to have a voice that's loud enough to be heard. Those skills will, will stay with you for your whole life. And show them that they have that as well, because a lot of people don't believe they have that. But, yeah. Do you want to ask some other question just finally? <gasps> yeah, Jane. So, if you were to get away with murder, 
Right. Don't tell us who you're going to murder. No. Well, don't don't incriminate t- yourself, but how would you get away with it? What would the process be that you'd go through to get away with murder? Well, we've all talked about this. We've all talked about feeding the body to pigs, haven't we? That's, all, that's please tell me we've all talked an about yeah, 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 yeah. So I have thought about feeding a body to pigs. Not that anybody's specific that I want to murder, if I was to bury somebody, I'm so lazy. I would only half bury them and then would cover them in leaves because <laughs> I would get awful bored and tired. Of what bit would you leave hanging out? The hand. Yeah. <laughs> There's always be a hand. And I would, would say, you, that'll would you, like, be prop fine. Prop it up so it would wave. <laughs> <laughs> be Turn it into a fuck you puppet theatre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that would be no use. But yeah, it's funny that we all have thought about how would you get away with murder? And I think if you do one crime just once in your life, you've got a good chance of getting away with something. So what you're saying is if you're going to do any crime, make it murder. Make it murder. And I would tell people, though, I couldn't help myself, especially if I was quite proud that I'd kind of go <laughs> I was like, wait till I tell you. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that that is the thing that I've been, I've, been, I've been told, that you should feed the body to the pigs. But... I mean, that's a little bit of reciprocity. We eat bacon, you have some of ours. Yeah, maybe you should... I don't know. But feed a vegan to a pig then so they're not eating, like, <laughs> not resorting to cannibalism is what you're saying right now. Oh, have dear. a heart about it, God's sake. Like, I'm just saying, like, you know, we, we have a slice of bacon on a Sunday, they can have a wee leg or have a wee murder, you know? Ah, my theory, okay, yeah. we hand it back, yeah. yeah. Again, it's karma, what Quite, goes yeah, that, yeah, yeah. But maybe that, or maybe it'd have to look like carbon monoxide poisoning or it would have to look as if it was an accident. Oh, or yeah. take them to the middle of nowhere, push them off a cliff, say they slipped. That was the right answer. That was we had a police officer on, and that was that. Well, it's not the right answer. There's no right answer. <laughs> That's the right answer. But in the policeman's eyes, that was the best way to do it. Was That's the Barry from EastEnders, if anyone can remember that. Oh, Janine, I do remember yeah, that. Janine, yeah, there you go. Janine got away with it scot free. Because and, how could you prove that they didn't fall or they didn't? Exactly. That's why I think that there's probably a few dead bodies on the Monroes that are done in Scotland. And uh, we just can't kind of see them. <laughs> just yet. one hand sticking out. <laughs> Some lazy bastards murdered them. <laughs> there's, there's, there's goats and shit up there. They probably just munch away at the bodies, though. Well, yeah, that was the thing in the hydro with the Ford and Greg when they died up at the top of the hill. And it was skeletons. And then it was like a bike, somebody, a boy on a bike rode over them and like they ate each other at the end. <laughs> but that was it. They were up on the top of the hill, two skeletons. Uh, on that note, listen, thank you so much. It's honestly... Oh, it's been a pleasure, boys. Thank you for the urinary wine. Uh, we're going to actually, we're going to learn how to make that wine. I think it's, it's a big seller. Yeah, half urine. It's, um, it's from nah, New Zealand as well. Seriously, when we started this podcast not to get wanky, we didn't think we would get anyone of your calibre on. And Calibre place. It's been great to hear you tell some stories for Style Game and just some insights about your life. It's been uh, brilliant. It's uh, kind of, if I'd been wanky, a dream come true to talk to a cast member <laughs> for Style Game uh, this in-depth. Right, um, you didn't speaking. get beaten by her and fucking the Urban Dictionary quiz. I've lost <laughs> my bloody one thing I had. <laughs> but, to be fair, that's the main reason I've enjoyed this. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. But thank you very much. Thank really you, boys. It. It's been a pleasure. That was Drunk Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast, go listen to some of the other ones. The old you would have. If you're on socials, like us there as well. Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Drunk Therapy. It's something weird on Twitter, which I can't remember right now.